You know, some people enjoy composing their own music, chord by chord, and others are happiest when they come across that one perfect song. Work is not a lot different than that. Whether you prefer building your own workflow or using a pre-made template, with Monday.com, you and the team can work in a way that's comfortable for everyone. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com and build your own amazing workflow or find an awesome template. No judgment. We are going to have the great, illustrious, knowledgeable, absolute, perfect gentleman, Dr. Ken Turner, on as Dr. History in just a few minutes, and we have duct-taped him to the chair. So stand by for that. Hey, don't forget the bookstore at 515 5th Street over in Rupert. Oh, my goodness. The bookstore is going to be closing at 1 o'clock on November 26th to prepare for Thanksgiving Day. Then they're going to be closed on Thanksgiving, but oh, my are they going to open up with a vengeance to serve you on November 28th from 5 to 8.30 p.m. right before the fireworks display with the best of religious artwork and Christmas decor and books and jewelry? Oh, what a great store. What nice people at the bookstore and more. 515 5th Street in Rupert. Really good folks. Oh, my. Well, I think it is time to say good morning to the one, the only, Dr. History. Good morning, sir. Good morning, Zeb. Now, I've got to pass along a message. Uh, over at the main studios, Gina, and she's known as Miss 357, she said something about maybe she's going to shoot you if you keep moving. So I've got him sitting, sitting perfectly still. I have duct taped his torso to the chair. Good morning, sir. How are you? Good morning. It's good to have you back. <laughs> Thanks for the duct tape. <laughs> are you telling me you're so cheap that you're going to unwind it and use it at home? Yeah, I'm going to take it home with me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Ken, you're all right. Hey, now, you have some information for us. I had an assignment from you last week when yep. you asked me about yep. Wild Bill, and I had that deer-in-the-headlights look uh, like... Uh, I don't know, and now I know. Okay. I had asked you the question as to if Wild Bill was, uh, his real name was James Butler Hickok. How in the world did he come up with the name Bill? So you have that. Okay. According to the experts on the Internet, okay. <laughs> we know they're always right. Okay. Okay. When he was in Nebraska, he was actually referred to as Duck Bill. Wait a minute. Duck Bill? Duck Bill. Like in Quack Quack? Quack Quack. Now, that doesn't put a lot of fear into your heart. Can you imagine the people over in China listening to this, and one of our heroes is going down as Duck, Duck Bill? Duck Bill, yeah. yeah, yeah. Duck yeah. Bill. Okay. So he grew a mustache and in 1861 began calling himself Wild Bill. Oh, really? Yeah. So was he, this a reference to the size of his nose? He had a big nose. He did, and maybe it was the mustache. I don't know. Huh. But he claimed that his nickname until 1861 had been Shanghai Bill that had been given to him because of his height and his slim bill. I see. Now, Hickok used the name William Hay or Hickok uh, from 1858 and William Haycock during the Civil War. Why did they change their names so much? You know, it just seems like that's something that happened back in those days. I mean, the people that came over from Europe, of course, they had foreign names, and a lot of times those got changed around. Okay, now, let me, let me bring everybody up to speed. Wild Bill originally was called Duck Bill, and then he was called Shanghai Bill, but then he finally came up with the nomer Wild Bill. Wild Bill. 
but there's a little question as to whether his name was Haycock instead of Hickok. Oh, really? But according to what I'm reading, his real name was Hickok. Okay. James Hickok. So that takes care of that. Tomato, tomato. Yes. Okay. So, so anyway, Duck Bill. You know, now, wait a minute. That makes a lot of sense because if you've ever seen a picture of Wild Bill Hickok, he had a pretty good Jimmy Durante schnozola on him. That could have contributed to that nickname. The Duck Bill name. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. And then, of course, his descendants are all Duck Dynasty. Duck, yes. Yes. Dressed in the camo. There you go. <laughs> what have you got for us today? Well, being as this week is Thanksgiving, I like to tell a little of the history of Thanksgiving. and I like that. So we're just going to jump right into that. Okay. Um, Thanksgiving Day, of course, is a holiday celebrated primarily in the United States and Canada, mostly. Mm -hmm. And Thanksgiving is celebrated each year on the second uh, uh, Monday in October in Canada and on the fourth Thursday of November in the United States. Why couldn't they celebrate it on the same day? Uh, I don't know that (laughs) answer that question. There's a deer in the headlights again. (laughs) There he goes. (laughs) But because of the long-standing traditions of the holiday, the celebration often extends, of course, into the weekend that falls closest to the day that it's celebrated. Uh Now, several other places around the world observe similar celebrations uh, historically, but Thanksgiving had its roots in religious and cultural tradition. And today, Thanksgiving is primarily celebrated, unfortunately, as a secular holiday. Holiday and of course the Black Friday thing and all that. Oh, uh, it's that, terrible. That uh, you know. Was it started here or up in Canada? Which one started it? Well, according to what I'm going to talk about, what happened, how it started here okay. in the United States right. or in America. But <coughs> uh, prayers of Thanksgiving uh, and special Thanksgiving ceremonies are common among almost all religions uh, after harvest and at other times. Uh, the Indians, uh, uh, you know, they, they celebrated different things. But the holiday's history in North America is rooted in English traditions dating from the Protestant Reformation. Uh-huh. It also has aspects of a harvest festival, even though the harvest in New England occurs well before the late November date of the holiday. Uh-huh. Now, in the old English tradition, days of Thanksgiving and special Thanksgiving religious services became important during the English Reformation in the reign of King Henry VIII. And we're going to go back, clear back to there. But in reaction to the large number of religious holidays on the Catholic calendar. Now, get this. Before 1536, there were 95 church holidays plus 52 Sundays. And people were required to attend church and, and skip work and sometimes pay for these expensive holidays. So 95 holidays, 52 Sundays, that's a lot out of a work year. Wow. Yeah, and so, those services didn't last just an hour. No, they, they went all day. But, oh, my goodness. You know, the 1536 reforms reduced the number of church holidays to 27. Yeah. But some Puritans, uh, the radical reformers of their age, they wanted to completely eliminate all church holidays, including Christmas and Easter. Why? I don't know. The, the Puritans, for some reason, I guess they wanted, uh, for some reason, I don't know, they just wanted to eliminate all church holidays really yeah so the holidays were to be replaced by special uh, especially called days of fasting or days of thanksgiving so instead of a church holiday it was like a 
a day of thanksgiving. So everybody went to church and was hungry, and their stomach growled all yes. the way through the service. Yes. Okay. So, but you know, these special blessings uh, of thanksgiving were viewed as coming from God, and they called for days of thanksgiving after, uh -huh. like, say, a, a battle a victory or a political victory, something like right, that. Right. Right. Now, we're going to move ahead a few hundred years Okay. Uh, after the 1500s up to 1621. Uh-huh. Now, the Plymouth colonists and the Wampanoag Indians. Yes. Keep those guys in mind. Remember them well. Okay. They shared an autumn harvest feast that is acknowledged today as one of the first Thanksgiving celebrations in the colonies. Mm -hmm. Now, for more than two centuries, days of Thanksgiving were celebrated by individual colonies and states, and it wasn't until 1863, in the middle of the Civil War, that Abraham Lincoln proclaimed a national Thanksgiving Day to be held each November. I see. So, let's go again back to about 1620 September. Yeah, the Wampanoags. The Wampanoags and a small ship called the Mayflower. Yep, yep. Left Plymouth, England. And by the way, Zeb, I, I have visited that place in Plymouth. You uh, told me, you called me, as a matter of fact, the day that you were visiting that. Yeah, I was in England and yeah. uh, Plymouth. Uh, and you were standing on the rock. <laughs> the rock in Plymouth. Yeah. <laughs> well, we may be exaggerating there a little bit. but eh, Maybe a little okay. bit. Okay. So, the Mayflower left carrying 102 passengers, uh, uh, an assortment of religious separatists seeking a new home where they could uh, freely practice their faith. And there were other people uh, lured by the promise of prosperity and, and basically free land in the new world. Yep. Well, after a pretty treacherous and uncomfortable crossing that lasted 66 days... Now, and it I, was cold. It was cold, and you know I've been on uh, out on the ocean and sixty six days on a sailing boat. I, I would have not been feeling real good. And they didn't have an all you could eat salad bar either. No, and they didn't have Dramamine and no, stuff like that. No. But anyway, so they dropped anchor near the tip of Cape Cod, uh, actually north of their intended destination, out the mouth at the mouth of the Hudson River. I see. So one month later, the Mayflower crossed Massachusetts Bay, where the Pilgrims, as they are now commonly known, began the work of establishing a village at Plymouth. John Wayne didn't name them, did he? He did not name them. I see. Though, because, no. Okay. So, now, through that first brutal winter, most of the colonists remained on board the ship. Oh, really? Yeah, because they really didn't have any uh, shelters or homes. They left at the wrong time, didn't they? They did. Yeah. And they suffered from exposure, scurvy, yeah. and because they were so close together, outbreaks of contagious diseases. Yeah. So, only half of the Mayflower's original passengers and crew lived to see their first New England spring. Oh, my goodness. So they lost half of them. Yeah. Well, in March, the remaining settlers moved ashore, where they received an astonishing visit from an Indian who greeted them in English. Do you know his name, Zeb? Uh, it started with a Q. Close. Uh, Squanto. Squanto. I knew it had a Q in there it someplace. S-Q. Good old Squanto. And he was a member of the Pawtucket tribe, who had been, and he had been kidnapped by an English sea captain, sold into slavery before escaping to London, and returning to his homeland in an exploratory expedition. He was a smart guy. He was. And I'm going to talk a little more about yeah. him in okay. a minute. So, but Squanto taught the pilgrims, uh, weakened by malnutrition and illness. They, he taught him how to cultivate corn, yep. extract uh, sap from maple trees, catch fish in the rivers, and which plants to avoid that were poisonous. Didn't these people have any clue on how to farm at all? I mean, they just jump on a ship and come over here and they're going, hmm, wonder what we should do next. You know, 
they seem ill-prepared. Oh, yeah? Yeah. So, but he helped the settlers uh, forge an alliance with the Wampanoag, which was a local tribe, yep. which would actually endure for more than 50 years and tragically remains one of the sole examples of harmony between the Europeans and the Indians, one of the very few. The Wampanoags. Yeah. Okay. So... In November 1621, after the Pilgrims' first corn harvest proved successful, uh, Governor William Bradford organized a feast and invited a group of the colony's uh, Indian allies, including the Wampanoag chief, the Massasoit. Mm -hmm. Uh, And uh, this is now remembered as America's first Thanksgiving. Now, although the Pilgrims themselves may not have used the term at the time, the festival lasted for three days. And no records exist of the historic banquet's exact menu, but there was a chronicler, a guy that wrote about this, and he said that uh, uh, Governor Bradford sent four men on a fouling mission in preparation for the event and that the Wampanoag guests arrived bearing five deer. Historians have suggested that many of the dishes were likely prepared using uh, traditional uh, Indian spices and cooking methods. Really? So most of it was, the cooking was done by the Indians. Yatehe. Yes. I think that's Navajo. No, okay. <laughs> but because of the pilgrims had no oven and the Mayflower sugar supply had dwindled by the fall of 1621, the meal did not feature pies, cakes, desserts, which are pretty much... No pecan pie? No pecan pies, oh, no pumpkin pies. I'd have left and gone back to the ship. Yeah, so... But, uh, you know, the wild turkey is native to North America. And, now, and just a minute. You're talking about the turkey or the liquid? The liquid... Wild tur- Oh, that turkey. Don't let it go over your head, Doc. <laughs> the wild bird turkey. You should have seen the look on his face. <laughs> you lost me on that one for a minute. So the wild turkey is, na- is native to North America and, and was a staple uh, in the diet of the Indians. And uh, it was imported to Europe in the early part of the 16th century by the Spaniards. I see. So... Anyway, uh, you know, there's about 45 million or so turkeys uh, that will be sold this Thanksgiving. And, yeah. But they don't taste like the turkeys they had back then. How do you know? Because uh, that's what it says right here in my script. <laughs> <laughs> and actually, I, uh, I've talked to people that have 100 wild turkeys yeah. here now, and they say they just don't taste as good as, good as a good old uh, farm-grown turkey. Well, now, I'm supposed to keep remembering the Wampanoags. I'm getting right to that right now. Okay. A little more about Squanto. Uh, his name was Tisquantum, yeah. but uh, somehow he got the name Squanto. Well, can you blame him? No, that's a lot easier to say. But he was a Pawtucket, and he was an Indian who assisted the pilgrims, of course, as I mentioned. Uh, but uh, Squanto's exact date of birth is unknown, but a lot of historians listed as January 1st, 1592. I see. Now, on his way uh, back to the Pawtucket in 1614, Squanto was kidnapped by an Englishman named Thomas Hunt. Now, Hunt was one of John Smith's lieutenants. Hunt was planning to sell fish, corn, and Squanto and some other captured natives back in Spain. Why would they want to capture Squanto when he already helped them so much? Well, this is before. Oh. This is before he came back and helped them. Okay. So, anyway, so... uh, Anyway, when he got over to Spain, Hunt attempted to sell Squanto and a number of the other Indians into slavery in Spain. Oh. So, 
At this point, there were some local friars that discovered what Hunt was attempting, and they took Squanto and the Indians and in order to instruct them in the Christian faith, and they convinced the friars to let him try to return home. Squanto did. Back to Back the... to America. I see. So he managed to get to London, where he lived with and worked for a few years uh, with a guy named John Slaney, who was a shipbuilder. Mm-hmm. Now, Slaney apparently... Uh, taught Squanto more English. Uh, Slaney took Squanto with him when he w- sailed to Newfoundland. And then to get to New England, Squanto tried to take part in an expedition to that part of the North American coast. Well, That's that, amazing. Yeah, that plan fell through, but he did return to England in 1618. And uh, at last, in 1690, Squanto returned to his homeland aboard John Smith's ship mm-hmm. because he was joining a an exploratory expedition along the New England coast. Well, you said that very articulately. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> but he soon discovered that the Pawtucket, as well as a majority of the coastal New England tribes, mostly the Wampanoag, uh, had been killed off the year before by an epidemic, Probably smallpox. Brought in by by, us. The, by the Europeans. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, they, and we've talked about this before. The Native Americans did not have immunity no. to these European diseases. No. So anyway, Squanto finally settled with the pilgrims at the site of his former village, uh, which the English had named Plymouth. And it is commonly held belief that he, of course, helped them recover from that really, really difficult uh, first winter by teaching them how to plant and yeah. uh, how to plant corn. Uh, that amazes me. I'm still stuck on that as to why the pilgrims. And by the way, how did they get the name pilgrims? John Wayne, I believe, gave that to him. Yeah, but that was in the 1860s in a movie, El Dorado. But uh, I have no idea where they got the word pilgrim, unless that has a a maybe there's is defined as uh, there's your homework for next week there it is pilgrims yeah pilgrims but you know you would think that they would have looked at the calendar and said hmm if we leave in March and it's going to take 66 days we'll be there at the beginning of May when it warms up and we can plant and you would have thought there would have been some kind of a farmer in the midst of them well you would have thought and uh, whatever the reason they they had difficulty they were in a mess they were yeah so in 1621 squad Squanto was the guide and translator for the settlers, and as they traveled uh, uh, upland on diplomatic missions to the Wampanoags, uh, uh, anyway, things got a little rough for Squanto. He got captured by the Wampanoag Indians, Not again. was his tribe. Now, Miles Standish uh, led a, a 10-man team of settlers from Plymouth to rescue Squanto, if he were still alive, or if he'd been killed, they were going to avenge him. But Squanto was found alive and well, and he was welcomed back by the pilgrims at Plymouth, where he continued his role as kind of a, an adversary uh, between the Indians and the pilgrims. He was, But unfortunately, he ended up being distrusted by both groups. Really? And So he was trying to work both sides to the middle? Well, I think he really was trying to help both, yeah. but because of that, the Indians didn't trust him and the pilgrims didn't really trust Pretty him. Pretty rough when you get uh, kidnapped by your own tribe. That's right. Well, anyway, on his way back from a meeting to repair damaged relations between the Wampanoag and the Pilgrims, uh, Squanto became sick with a fever. He began bleeding from the nose, and Uh some historians have speculated that he was poisoned Uh by the Wampanoag because they believed that he'd been disloyal. He was, I read some accounts of his life and everything, and tell me if I'm wrong, but he was a very, very dashing man. He dressed uh, in very eloquent fashion and wore tuxedos and suits and everything. Is that right? 
I haven't read that part. Yeah, I read that part. See, I'm way ahead of you. you yes. And yeah, I, and Old Squato was pretty dashing and daring. And I don't have any, any pictures. Over in England, uh, I mean, he's very well dressed. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, he wasn't dressed like Ed Ames on Daniel Boone, I'll tell you that. <laughs> no, he wasn't. <laughs> now, l let's go back a little historically here. Okay. Some scholars, the jury is still out on whether the feast at Plymouth really constitute the first Thanksgiving in the United States. Oh, really? Yeah. Historians have recorded other ceremonies of thanks among European settlers in North America that predate the Pilgrim celebration. For example, in 1565, the Spanish explorer, his name was Avila, invited members of the local Timucia, Tem I don't know, another Indian tribe. Spell it out once. I think I know that. T-I-M-U-C-U-A. Timucia. Tecumseh. Now there's no S there. Well, there Temecula. should be. Okay. <laughs> well, he, anyway, he invited these guys to a dinner, in, and that was in St. Augustine, Florida. Oh, really? And this was after... The weather's better, Don. It was. After holding a mass to thank God for his crew's safe arrival. But, and then in 1619, there were 38 British settlers that reached a site known as Berkeley 100 on the banks of Virginia's James River. Oh, my. And they read a proclamation designating the date as a day of thanksgiving to Almighty God. God. Mm -hmm. I know and they had the Indians and the Pilgrims. The British. The British. Okay. Yes. All right. I know we're running out of time. And yeah, I'm, I got two minutes left. So let me just throw something out real quick. Okay, go ahead. The miracles that made America possible. Oh, real good. Uh, just real quickly, the Chinese had the largest shipping uh, 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 ships in the world at one time float uh, flotilla yeah they had and they sent a group of 350 ships around the world for two and a half years they did not discover America they didn't bump into it they didn't bump into it uh, the miracle of Jamestown the miracle oh. of the Civil War the miracle of uh, the just miracle after miracle that preserved this land for freedom really now just one, one thing real quick again, the Civil War. Yeah. If it hadn't turned out the way it had, we could have been like Europe. Yeah. We could have had a country in Georgia, Florida. We could have had a country in, in the Northwest and Northeast, a country in the Middle West. We could have been like Europe and had all these countries that would have been fighting among themselves and arguing over borders. And the miracle of the United States, you know, we do, we've got turmoil, of course, but it's still... Uh, the greatest land in the world. And one other quick note I ran across. Scholars figure there's been a 100 to 110 billion people on the earth since the beginning. Of those, only 5% have lived in freedom as we know it. Really? 5%. We are blessed. The rest were born in slavery, lived in slavery, died in slavery. And we are blessed. We are. Oh. You did it, Dr. Ken Turner. And uh, next week on the program, he's going to give us a complete definitive viewpoint of where the word pilgrim came from. That's right. I'm still thinking it's John Wayne, but... Yeah. Well, pilgrim. <laughs> anyway, I do appreciate it. And may I say, I don't say this enough. I get all gushy-eyed, and I say to you and your family, Happy Thanksgiving. You know, Zeb, thanks. We've we've been doing this for about seven years or so, and... Uh, it's been fun. I've enjoyed it. We've... 
had a lot of fun doing this, and I hope we can continue to do it. I do too, and I got to tell you something, Gina. He sat here like the Rock of Gibraltar this morning. He didn't barely move. I mean, I, I was worried about his breathing there for a while. I did turn a little pale there, didn't I? Yeah, sounded like you had an asthma attack every now and then, but you were okay. Thank you, Zeb. You have a great day with your family. Great Thanksgiving. And I God, appreciate you. God bless you, man. Thank you. You too. One of my dearest, dearest friends, Dr. Ken Turner, better known as Dr. History. Oh, real quick, dr-history.com, uh, heard now in how many countries? Still about 55 or so countries. And over how many 90, Over 90,000. <laughs> so we're creeping up all the time. Yeah, we're just like the uh, flu. <laughs> An epidemic. <laughs> An epidemic. God bless you.